Hello and welcome back to Blacker Couch Reviews. I'm your host, Christina. We're back for another episode of Gen V. Jumanji, written by Lauren Greer, directed by Rachel Goldberg. I thoroughly enjoyed this episode. I gave it a 10 out of 10. I think it's the standout out of the episodes thus far, just for the creativity, the short, concise <laughs> uh, reconciliations with one's personal baggage and really strengthening the bond between just a a student associate or even a friend but an actual superhero team that want to atone for the things that they have done in the past and i really like how that theme came together before we jump into the recap, we ever listen to this podcast, Podbean, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever good podcasts can be found. Go down to the rating section, drop some stars, leave a review. My social media will be there as well. Like, share, subscribe. If you want to send feedback, blackercouch at gmail.com. So we begin with the person we ended with last episode, which was Kate, giving everyone their memories back including Emma, who responds with, whoa, thanks for making me remember that nightmare. And also you're a cunt before she runs off to get Sam. The only thing she's been caring about for the past three days. Everything I do. Kate's eyes are really bloodshot. Marie is coming from a place of betrayed inquiry, whereas Jordan is bristling and unforgiving. Considering what's in their dumpster surpasses the small little trash bags that were being lumped out of others. (laughs) Kind of found it a little hypocritical. Kate overloaded, apologizes, thinking she was doing the right thing before almost collapsing. It also appears she can hear thoughts. Marie approaches Andre, who is in another room sulking. He's been coming up with ways to make Kate more villainous than she actually is by saying she made Luke kill Brink. But Marie logically points out it seems she was being utilized by Shetty in much the same way she has been using many of us students at this school and that it is not completely her fault. And maybe, just maybe, we should simply talk to her to understand how this came about instead of pouting and making accusations that contradict her current actions, like almost killing herself to give all of them back said memories. Something discovered when Jordan yells out for help. Marie also said getting into God U was the happiest day of her life, and now here she is, week two. Kate begins to seizure with Marie asking if Jordan knows CPR. Where would I learn CPR? I don't know. In superhero school? Jeez. Marie is able to slow down her blood, but now she's unconscious. Dr. Cardosa 
in the woods proudly shows Shetty presenting Betsy as his success story on how to compassionately control the soups, which in many minds would seem a logical and even, even noble thing to be working on. Like, this is not something I wouldn't want my government to be thinking about. Betsy isn't harmed, just completely neutered with a little sickness. He is ready to present his findings to Vault, but Shetty wants him to concentrate the dose and make her sicker. She has her own agenda, controlling soups, sure, but what does she have in mind? I think by the end of the episode, we might know. Andre gently lays Kate down on a chair cushion only to point out that this is what she deserves for mind raping her friends. Why you being a dickhead fool? Stop being a dickhead. You're not wrong to be angry or even make snotty comments like this, but we all see you're perpetrating a fraud. Not to mention you just told Marie, if I saw her, I would probably just forgive her. I love you, bitch. I ain't gonna never stop loving you, bitch. Kate temporarily wakes up but vanishes before a brick wall appears out of nowhere, unlayering itself, leading them into a forest. Dusty being the unfortunate accompanying companion. Marie seems to be the only one with street smarts, probably because that's been her life outside of the game of suburbia that Kate and Andre have been playing like that's been their their battlefield for so very long that they don't kind of point out the obvious (laughs) she's like Kate did something to us and apparently she's more powerful than we thought considering none of y'all are actually taught your potential that's probably true Andre runs off and they hear a woman scream Caleb so they rush to investigate Kate's six-year-old brother the one that went missing after two days is told uh, or is considered to be most likely dead Kate's mother is there Kate shows up and tries to go to her mother like why would he listen to me he never does but is told to stay back and that she doesn't feel safe around her own child who doesn't even understand what she did and now our mother looks at her with fear and hatred then even the officer's like come on i'll show you a canine just don't get too close realizing this is a memory marie concludes they are in kate's head but in reality knocked out on the floor in dusty's basement i love what the cinematography in the background was doing I'm also like five shades to left. So if you hear any slurring, that's what you can account it for. So, Soldier Boy. Soldier Boy, hey, I got the new dance for y'all called Soldier Boy. You gotta push that crank back three times from left to right. Soldier Boy 
shows up being an imaginary boyfriend of kate's when she was a kid and would like to know what these fuck nuts are doing in kate's mind he points out he taught her how to jerk off flick the bean diddle that skittle she came like a faucet and raw dogged her soldier boy pillow till she saw god you've reached your limit on talking shut the fuck up andre i know you ain't over here getting jealous of an imaginary crush who admits that kate really loves him but he'll always have a pillow shaped place in her crotch (laughs) maria reminds him bigger shit is going on than arguing with kate's imaginary boyfriend from high school he's called a russian agent he rejects being a dickless commie knock knock who's there go fuck yourself (laughs) i don't know who this person is and what his relevance is other than he seems to be connected to the boys but he's funny and weird he's very weird and now he got the samuel l jackson treatment when another lightning strike which is actually a blood vessel bursts incinerating him before he can impart any knowledge as kate is going into a vegetable state and if this happens they will be trapped with her emma finds sam eating twizzlers at the drive-in like that's their new bnb and since the sexual tension has been high since they met they must indeed fuck but it's his first time so it's special unfortunately he disassociates and imagines emma's hand as a puppet shaped hand and a puppet figure also referencing the infamous titanic scene and yeah instead of belaboring the point i'm just gonna let that stand there as what i feel about the romance (laughs) as sweet and cute as it is back inside of kate's mind dusty's like look i may appear a child but i'm a 28 year old man who has a very heavy drug and alcohol problem walking is not my friend i don't even know why i'm here because i don't even like kate another memory reveals her parents have kept her locked behind a steel door for nine years without any human uh, proximity too close to her definitely not having been touched and for never shetty waltzes in offering to take away the voices in her head with a little blue pill and all the maternal connection that she has been craving the next memory is that of luke meeting kate for the first time definitely feels as if shetty recruited her to be his girlfriend to particularly control him andre feels guilt but also genuine love for the friend that is gone however he knows he's got a secret i like when he was the memory and then he turned around and said i miss you bruh but I don't think you miss me in the same manner. And then the room dims to show his affair with Kate. That was brilliant. Mimi must feel so vindicated. 
to be fair, she made him forget. And I was like, or did she? Is this judge and jury time on moral ambiguity? <laughs> ambiguity? <laughs> My attempts at speech once again. Andre apologizes, but Luke only fireballs poor Dusty. I said, oh, Lord Jesus, it's a fire. R.I.P. Dusty, because I'm pretty sure you said if you die here, you die for realsies. Or maybe not. But we didn't see him when they came back. So I'm going to guess that he's actually dead. <laughs> so he pops up out of somewhere. I guess we're not going to get an answer involving Rufus's dick. I kind of feel like y'all should have put together just based on how quickly they hooked up after Luke died, that this isn't really the biggest thing to feel the shittiest about. I'm not saying that being 18 doesn't give a free pass to a lot of the messiness of relationships, but that's when they're most optimal to happen because mentally not even really there you're not there you're not ready i'm not saying it is gonna happen to 18 and 19 and 20 year olds out there i'm just saying the the statistics are higher they're just higher hormones college her having alternative motives <laughs> but considering or juxtapositioning what he did based on what jordan and kate had to reveal well kate already revealed it about herself but the full extent of how complicit she's been yeah i don't know if hooking up with your best friend actually compares marie saying you're that guy like come on every teenager's that guy <laughs> he does admit that he actually loves kate and i feel like that also was a given because they haven't really been hiding it. Jordan makes a morally corrupt decision because that's the next memory they get to when we see them in their female version eavesdropping on the conversation between Luke and Brink. And a lot is said and a lot is heard that validates a lot of things that were currently happen happening, <laughs> which would definitely account for more side-eyeing in Jordan's direction about the path they've been taking up until now because Jordan was hanging out like y'all was friends maybe y'all was just the top three and y'all wasn't really friends but y'all was acting like y'all was friends so upon seeing your friend angry at Brink wielding a needle in his hand and mentioning his brother Sam and that he wants to see him Jordan deciding to help Brink by gassing him is a pretty big fucking betrayal. Brink then tells Jordan that Luke is just getting alternative treatment so that he can be Homelander strong one day and that this was just a bad reaction. Like their ears don't work. You heard what was happening. And then upon hearing that, it's not, oh, you're cheating the system. It's, oh, well, I want some too. And then Brink basically offers the next best thing. Their mentor tells them sometimes you have to reach great lows to reach great heights, which sounds far more eloquent than it is. 
and isn't always the case. Keeping Brink's secret is what earned Jordan their gatekeeper position, not because they earned it, just because Brink said so, but because they chose to look the other way. And Brink got himself a bodyguard. So yeah, they knew Luke attacked Brink before and said not a word. I love how they confronted themselves by pointing out this was a turning point when they could have chose more to be a hero or do the right thing and that niceness was all it took to screw over a friend (laughs) and position of power. There's a little bit of a consistent theme of what it means to be a hero, but there is too much idolization of said word. People don't grow up nowadays going, I want to be a hero when I grow up. They have a job title. Uh, They have a way to earn money and do other things just because they have powers don't mean they automatically need to be superheroes. Nor does it mean they have to do anything at all. They can just get a nine to five like the rest of us and, you know, do their thing. (laughs) But I do feel like that pressure to put, to put on themselves to just be this hero. Yeah, I guess that's the world they live in. So it's kind of like their celebrity. But everyone at least realistically knows they're not going to be a celebrity where everyone in this world seems to not realistically be aware they're not going to be a hero. So what happens if that doesn't work out for whatever reason? If that's the part of your identity that you're you're focusing on, you might be neglecting other parts of yourself. They call themselves a coward. Another great emotional scene you know you crying when it's not coming out your nose. Meanwhile, as trauma bonds tie them together, Emma is trying to carry Sam's baby, pointing out that she messed up too, and thus doesn't mind being with someone who is dissociative and prone to fits of rage and murder. Because you don't know that side of him yet. What happens when he doesn't listen to you to stop? That's the question that's going to be needing to be answered. When he meets other people, forms opinions outside of your own. I mean, it's looking he's looking at you like you're the only thing that mattered because you're the only thing that has mattered in his world up until now. That's not to say you can't be replaced and easily because he doesn't have anything to compare and contrast to. Once in the woods, Jordan apologizes because they're in that memory now. Frank was another shetty and he bought, they bought into the bullshit and didn't want to admit it. In the woods, they see that Luke's blood is being trans, transferred, right? Transfused to Sam, who was the guinea pig for the virus being perfected. I don't know what that could possibly mean other than did Luke's blood make Sam stronger? At Shetty's discretion, Kate has been wiping Luke all this time, making him believe his brother is actually dead. So she knew everything from jump and it was breaking both of them. She tries to explain her dilemma to Shetty and Brink in another memory, but they dismiss her concerns and task her with getting the others to forget. I love the glass breaking in the room in Shetty's office. 
They run to a door and it's Marie's memory of her moment in the bathroom after killing her parents. They ask if it's her as the little girl, but it's her sister Annabeth that tells her that she's a murderer and that she should never forget or be forgiven for what she has done. Marie tries to explain it's not her fault uh, that she didn't know, even though her sister says that, you know, you could control it. You were just angry. And that's something I think that she deals with too. Like you barged in and I was upset and that's the reason why it happened. So there's a lot of self blame as much as there is uh, blame from her sister. And then she realizes that this is a way to reach out to Kate's subconscious by telling her or reminding her of what she told her that it wasn't her fault. Finally, they are all reunited in Kate's room. She tells them they can leave. Marie points out due to our deep, dark, secret road trip, we are all fucked up and in a place where people have exploited us. But we want to be better and that's a choice. Kate doesn't want to wake up and invites them to go once again, but Andre refuses to allow her to simply die or go into a coma of existence because that's not going to fix anything. You haven't been given a choice. Now you have one. Admit and live what you've done. Yes, I am not happiest that someone I loved betrayed and buried themselves into my brain, but I still love you despite the broken trust between us. Everybody was coming through with the acting. So yeah, if you want redemption, you can seek atonement and do the actions, or you can just say the words, I'm sorry, which is the easier way way out. He didn't want her to do that. He wanted her to live with the consequences. And because she does actually genuinely love him, as stated, he's able to pull her out of the coma after their experience they certainly are all glued together way tighter than they were before and it's perfect timing for emma and sam to show up and jordan to point out that she has sex hair no i don't (laughs) sam of course recognizes kate and immediately attacks her can andre not constantly catch l's Going after Luke because before he was bitch smacked into the rug and now he was casually tossed through the window. (laughs) Sam knows that Kate is responsible for her part and to her credit, she doesn't even try to defend herself and make excuses. Just prepares to take whatever punishment Sam wants to dish out. But Emma gets him to listen to her to let her go. Kate runs over to the only person that's half sympathetic to her, which is Marie, and says she understands why she isn't forgiven. And technically got the shorter end on the betrayer stick and tells them while she doesn't exactly know what they were doing, she knows Shetty was directing it with Sam adding bad stuff and that she does not like us. Like that was helpful. Dr. Cardosa clearly didn't sign up for killing soups as he panics, calling Shetty about killing his patient. Her only response is if he can make the virus contagious. You're all going to die down here. 
So I think we're putting it all together. Shetty hates soups. She's definitely using this lab for her own personal gains. But the question is, does she have allies or is this just a mother's revenge? Because Cardosa definitely didn't sign up for this. And I can't see Vault wanting this to be out there because if someone like Homelander finds out, he would just, that would be a call to assimilate and annihilate everyone. That, yeah, that's not a great at neutering them. Sure. Right? Like, hey, some are you out of control. Might need to be put down. Like Homelander. But killing people, especially when these are children and American citizens. Like, that's the biggest thing. But that's what they say in the media. It's going to cause a, a, a outcry. People do happen to love some of these kids, hopefully. It is a little bit of a toss-up right now, isn't it? But yeah, I love the way this whole entire episode was styled. It was shorter than its predecessors. I also enjoy that too. 40 minutes of TV is enough TV for me. When it goes into an hour, I'm like, ugh. <laughs> and I'm immediately shaving it down to 45 minutes. Like, uh, I got other things to do today. Other subjects I would like to explore. We do have some mail in the mailbag, so let's head on over to feedback. Mail, motherfucker! What up, Stina? This is Mimi. This is my feedback for Gen V, episode 6 of season 1. I really, really enjoy this episode. I think this episode has been my favorite since the season opener. Um, I really enjoyed the way we got to, to see memories from everybody. Um, and it was very unexpected, so I, I did really enjoy it. Um, I think I liked being able to... Uh, get a little information about what's going on in the actual The Boys universe because like I've told you a million times I never finished it. Um, I remember when Jensen Echols uh, got the role of uh, Soldier Boy. I wanted to see it um, but then I was like well I gotta watch the other seasons or I'm not gonna know what's going on. I do think like I've said a thousand times we ain't got nothing else to watch so at this point all the shows on my list that I never finished I'm gonna go ahead and finish because I promise we're not getting any new anything none of my shows at least until probably the middle of 2024 if we're lucky it might be one of those things where now we're gonna be doing summer <laughs> premieres who knows but um, I, I like the Soldier Boy. Um, I've heard that it's like a, a nice, different kind of role from from Jensen Eccles. Because I, of course, watched Supernatural, and that's where I followed him for 15 years. <laughs> like to point that out, I never stopped watching. I didn't watch live, but I never, never stopped watching. There were some seasons where I would purposely wait four or five episodes and then like just binge it off of my. Uh, DVR. This was before streaming, so binging was not a word, but I would just save it because I, I was like, these last few episodes have been boring and I don't want to watch it um, until I, you know, maybe hopefully there's going to be something interesting happening. 
But anyway, um, I also followed him. He was on like Smallville. He was on. Um, he did a bunch of shows where he was in a lot of CW things. I can't think of all of it, but I've been watching this man for quite some time. And he always plays like the pretty boy, you know, kind of guy. Dean was probably the most different guy he ever played, but he was still a pretty boy. I don't think that's something Jensen Eccles can ever not be um, because he <laughs> is pretty. <laughs> but I will tell you how much that I actually like out of all the the white boy actors that I that I've come across Dean Winchester was probably my favorite character um in television I don't know it was something about him that I just enjoyed the fact that he went to hell the fact that he was still trying to be a good person even though he was tortured like he didn't let shit get to him but he was also a badass and he was also a good brother and I I don't know I just Dean is one of my favorite characters, um, so much so that if Darren and I had had another son, I was going to name him Dean, and I, Darren was not okay with it being Dean Winchester, and then, you know, Darren's last name, because <laughs> Winchester was going to be his middle name, Darren was like, no, I don't like that, but he was okay with Dean Jensen Scotulous, so he would have been a DJ, Dean Jensen. That would have been our second son's name. Derek and Dean. Literally. Um, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. I do <laughs> like how he just showed up and then we <laughs> find out that he was um, Kate's imaginary friend. But it makes sense that she would have an imaginary friend for so long um, and still he would still be there for her now because they locked her away for nine years and it just it blows my mind that her mother would treat her that way like yes she did something that all kids do like how many times have you told a sibling get away from me I wish you would run away why don't you get away from me and never come back Stop, don't talk to me ever again I we've all said that shit and when we were younger we meant it but we didn't have superpowers to make this shit happen. But the thing that really makes me so angry about the way Kate's mom treated her was, bitch, y'all the reason that she has this power. She didn't know. Maybe if you had a gave her a heads up, you know, we shot y'all up with some medication that you could at any point get some superpowers. And we don't know what those are going to be. But then when she actually gets something that, you know, it does something terrible because it's it's a awful, terrible um, side effect from her power she was a little girl that didn't know anything about her powers didn't even know she had them and I don't understand how y'all didn't find the, the boy clearly someone picked his ass up I just I blame the police department how y'all not figure out where the fuck he was if, if a little kid walked away how could you not have found him in the woods Y'all would at least found the body if the boy died. Someone clearly has him. Y'all didn't get the FBI in it. I don't know. The whole circumstance behind uh, her brother, I do feel like he going to turn up somewhere. <laughs> That's probably just my wishful thinking. He probably got powers too. And who fucking knows what happened to him. Um, being scared in the woods by himself, that shit might have manifested. He could have turned into a tree, for all the fuck we know. Because his parents probably gave him medication, too, that gave him some, what, compound B to make you have freaking powers. Terrible. 
Um, I did find it really, really interesting that we got to see that Jordan actually um, saw Luke go off on Brink before and actually, like, he, he was going to kill him and he saved his life. That's crazy to me. So this whole thing that we're thinking Brink just, uh, not Brink, Luke just, like, lost his shit. He, he was his mind was being warped by Kate so much and he kept figuring it out and shit kept leaking out and I think it just that's what I was talking about like his like he just seemed like he lost it he did it was slowly happening over time you know I feel like those like we see the what uh, Kate's powers how they affect her but we didn't really know how they affected other people but it's clear that they fuck with other people's heads too if you keep doing it to them over and over again so that's very interesting um i like i love that they all got to see each other's like secrets because i feel like now y'all can really be friends because there's nothing like all the dark shit that y'all been hiding is out like marie's whole family like them seeing what she actually did seeing what she has to live with in her mind i think that's very beneficial um even when um andre was in the classroom and then luke when we, we we realized that that's his actual memory and his mind that that was merging with uh kate's but luke was like you think i didn't know you were fucking my girl you were in love with her and then he like started to like flame up andre was like marie like run like he could have easily left <laughs> but he didn't speaking of the whole classroom scene so is dusty just dead because he literally got blown up and put into ashes like he he combusted like there was nothing left of him and when everybody like woke up nobody even looked for him like y'all y'all do realize that was a whole person nobody cares if he's alive or not we didn't even get no closure we just supposed to assume because he was like if you die here you die in real life dusty's just dead y'all in that man house and he just gone and nobody cares that's real fucked up they just moved along like emma let's go find let's go i got sam let's go <laughs> let's do this shit like nobody cares if the man is just gone that's so messed up um, I did uh, I did like that whole sequence I like the way it played out I like how um, everybody told the truth everybody's secrets out I love how Andre like I love Chance the actor um, he's the guy that plays Andre like I said I don't care what the fuck they talk about he did I don't even I didn't even look it up I don't care but I've always loved him in the shows that I've seen him in he I don't know I just like I like I think he's a good actor and I really enjoyed his scene where he was like you know I'll I love you and I'll I'll never trust you again and you know but you don't get to just give up like that was a really good speech and I like the way he he said everything um I also love how <laughs> when uh Sam saw Kate he was gonna fuck her up and everybody was trying to stop him with violence and then emma who is the one that can shrink and apparently grow was like listen to me don't do this and just talked him down and it's like maybe y'all should like learn a lesson from this like <laughs> maybe everything doesn't need to be brute force or you don't have to use your powers for everything 
um, use your words. Um, and then I guess lastly is um, when Sam was saying, you know, that Dr. Shetty hates soups. And then we see that she, they, they were down there making some type of virus that's only contagious to soups because the, this virus attaches to the compound B. And then she was like, no, I know this is what the woods was created for, and I know that this is what they wanted, but why don't you see if you can make it more concentrated? And then when she when he, when the doctor killed the superhero girl with the sparkly hands, Dr. Shetty looked like she had an orgasm, and she was like, can you make it contagious? Like, so I guess Sam was not wrong. Um, one of the things I've noticed is that when someone is deemed crazy or their mind just works differently, people don't listen to them. They could be telling you the straight up truth and nobody even thinks to even look into it because if you looked into it a little bit, maybe you would see that they're not wrong. But Sam was right. Like she hates superheroes and it's clear that she's trying to kill them. Maybe she's one of those people that somebody, one of the soups ran through somebody she loved like A-Train did. And you know, she, she hates them. She thinks they're put on a pedestal. Maybe she went through this whole thing to go work at this school, got all these degrees just so she can infiltrate it and fuck it up from the inside. I guess we'll see. Um, I thought this was the last episode, season uh, season one. I thought I only had six episodes, but I just looked and it says that they have two more. So I thought that was the end and I was going to be sad. Like, I know you're not going to end it like this, but they didn't. So I'm looking forward to episode seven. Can't wait till it come out. So I'll end it here until next time. Love, peace, hair grease, and black girl magic. Queen of the couch, Mimi out. Thank you, Mimi, once again with your thoughts on the episode. You know you love you some supernatural. <laughs> and apparently everybody and their mama been on that show that you know that goes to other shows. He was cute. I ain't never seen him in nothing. So there is that. You know I only watch one show and one show only. That's me and Shy. <laughs> the CW was for The Flash. And before that, that terrible show. Well, it wasn't a terrible show, but it was terrible because of what the man was doing. What was it called? Seventh Heaven or something like that? Wow. It's got a lot of past in its past. And I don't think it was called the CW then. I think it was called uh, Warner? Ah, WB. WB. Anyhow, you're right in regards to the mother. That's exactly what she's doing. It's kind of like... Um, kind of like uh, the mama in interview with the vampire there we go where to avoid the feelings they're feeling they transfer their guilt to someone else that's not culpable so it's guilt avoidance I caused my son to disappear because I gave my daughter something and did not tell her what it was and it manifested a power that ended up terribly and not benefited me the way I felt it was going to benefit me so yeah you're ultimately culpable with what happened to both of your children but you're only taking responsibility actually you're not taking any responsibility and you're blaming your daughter which is something a parent should never do which means she failed at a parent as a parent I think she failed as a parent when she gave him Jim B I don't care I've like had this de debate in my brain would I do it would I do it would I do it no no, I would not do it because I don't know what that strange liquid is. And I'm just going to shoot my kid up with it. And I don't, they don't, yeah, no, no, no. Everything about that just feels wrong at its concept. 
and I can see with it being like I watch a lot of true crime you know this ma'am while you're watching Supernatural and CW I'm watching true crime (laughs) and I know quite a few stories where depending on where you are in the woods it's not like back door in the woods when people go camping they go deep in the mountains and shit and you really can get if you're a small boy she said it was at night in the dark yeah he could have fallen off a ravine somewhere I laughed my ass off when you said he could have became a tree (laughs) but I can't tell you how many stories where there would be teams out looking for the deceased body and they're never found and then like 20 years later they're found and it's in a spot where so many people searched but it ended up just being in a place that got not overlooked but it's just so well hidden it it really does happen more more than not particularly if it's anywhere in the woods because you can get turned around and there's bears and there's animals yes it could have also been a predator they they certainly definitely could have acknowledged that and i'm sure they thought about that but honestly it's more likely something happened to him and he fell down somewhere or died because it gets really cold too when people go out camping it's like i hear way too many horror stories i don't want to go down this rabbit hole right now (laughs) agree on the parts about them seeing each other's uh baggage it kind of eliminates the facades they've been putting up with each other and now they're kind of on the same level of understanding and empathy more so than words would be able to express their own experiences versus seeing what those experiences are and although Andre doesn't want to at first he does by the end conclude that yes I see it I see what Shetty did to you I can see why you were pulled into doing this thing that betrayed me and while it has broken our trust I do understand that you didn't you weren't completely complicit in what was happening because you were being taken advantage of due to your own very fucked up past and how you were treated afterwards. I too did notice that he said Marie run and I think Dusty was killed because he was being selfish. Said get out of my way. (laughs) And well I mean Sam I don't feel like anyone's not listening to Sam. Maybe I missed something where they just didn't believe him, what he was saying. Like, yeah, he could put a whole sentence together, but I also understand why he didn't put a whole sentence together because he was been trapped in a facility downstairs for, gosh, only knows how long being isolated. And clearly there's other things going on. But I, I don't, I didn't get the impression that they weren't believing him. Maybe you could be more specific in uh in our chat on what i might have missed but that is going to conclude our podcast this week if you want to send feedback on our next episode blackercouch at gmail.com we're almost caught up before the finale that's going to be exciting to get to the finale at the same time so once again if you want to send feedback blackercouch at gmail.com my social media will be below like share subscribe until the next time peace hair grease and blacker magic Everything